There are a lot of strategic moves that you can make to lessen the blow of the no. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with negotiation expert all the way from Copenhagen, Denmark, Melina Ricks. She says that we don't get what we want. We get what we negotiate. Hey there, this is Patrice from PatriceWashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. This You Deserve More series has been absolutely phenomenal. I am so excited to have you here, this interview. I feel like she's my girlfriend now because this is the second year in a row that I've actually interviewed her. First, it was on Facebook Live for the Earn More Money movement. And I brought her back because negotiation is such an important piece of us as women being able to earn more. So if you're new here, let me tell you what's been going on for the last few weeks. For the month of April, it is Financial Literacy Month here in the U.S., but it's also a time when we acknowledge the gender wage gap between men and women. And so with Women's Equal Pay Day, that's usually a day where you see a lot of buzz around, okay, we need to have equality in pay, and there's a lot of talk about what needs to happen out in the industry. But as I've been saying week after week, but there's also some things that we need to do as women to make sure that when we get to the table, we are prepared. And I created what's known as the Earn More Money Movement a couple years ago, and I've walked now We've added another several thousand women to this, so I have to get the tally on that number. But up until earlier this year, it was 22,000 plus women through 20 principles that I have used and I've taught my clients to use to earn more money, whether that's in their careers or even as an entrepreneur. And so a big piece of that is negotiating. You know, so many people have been accustomed to in every industry and every opportunity that women will take whatever the first offer is or will continue to do jobs for years and years and years without ever speaking up. And if we're going to earn more money and live the lives that we desire and deserve, then ladies, we have to be willing to negotiate. We have to give ourselves permission to negotiate, but we also have to know how to do it because it's not a skill that many of us learn. I didn't learn about negotiation in school. I didn't learn it at home. It's definitely an acquired skill set. I will say that. And so I'm really excited to bring to you this interview from Malene. She's an expert at this. She's written books on it. And she just gives really practical advice. And you know that that's what I'm about. So if you haven't listened to all the other episodes, I encourage you to go back and really listen to Doreen Rainey talk about facing your fears or Lovey Ajayi from I'm Judging You. Yes, I love Lovey, <laughs> who talked about rocking your gifts. And even Mickey Taylor, who says it's about establishing your value. You don't need another makeover. Definitely not an outward makeover. You need to have a shift, an internal shift. And now we're talking to Malene, who is just brilliant at negotiation and really teaching women how to stand in their power, but how to make sure that this is a win-win conversation. So without further ado, here is Melina Ricks from Copenhagen, Denmark. She's worked for almost 20 years in the field of negotiation and designing courses and teaching negotiation techniques to a wide range of clients in Europe and abroad. She's taught everywhere from China and Japan to study this stuff in England, Scotland, the U.S., Australia, Mexico, and Sweden. This is not just a U.S. problem, ladies. This is really an international problem. So I know we have a lot of international listeners who tune in every week and who have subscribed and you download podcast after podcast. So first of all, thank you. But second of all, just know that what we're talking about applies to you too. So without further ado, here's Malene. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Malene. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming back. I am so excited that you made time. I know it's nighttime for you. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And all the way from Denmark, you made time to join me again for this really important conversation. So, you know, from last year that I am so passionate about helping women in particular earn more. Um, And I found you really on YouTube one night, really trying to find someone who could really help me just share more about how women can be their best at negotiating. And I think I found one of the best in the world. So I'm so excited. And you were such a hit last year when we did our Facebook live interview. They loved you. I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) That means a lot all the way from over here in cold Copenhagen. (laughs) So I wanted to start, as you know, one of the kind of principles that guides the Earn More Money movement and this whole You Deserve More series is the idea of negotiating like a ninja. That's what I say. I want women to be prepared for the negotiation process because sometimes I think we make it way too emotional. But I want to know from you, are there similarities first and foremost between how we negotiate or don't negotiate? personally and professionally? Does this kind of cross over between our personal lives and professional lives? To me, the two are very closely connected because our working life and our private lives, they're interconnected in so many ways that it's difficult to to say, well, I will negotiate in one way at work and in another way at home. And also, particularly when you negotiate something on your own behalf for work, Uh, you tend to also consider or think about your private situation, your private life, of course, that enters into all the thoughts you have about negotiating at work. So the two are closely interconnected. And the good thing about negotiation is that some of the best advice on how to be a constructive and strong negotiator, you can actually use those tools both at work and at home. So there are a lot of similarities and they're interconnected. And yet there are, of course, differences. And that has a lot to do, of course, with who you negotiate with. There's sort of a a rule of thumb that the more you find what you negotiate about important to you personally, the more vulnerable you become uh, in this situation because you become more aware of the disagreement that lies within all negotiation. So sometimes I find that the negotiations at home, because they, are, they have more emotion involved and we are closer to the people we negotiate with, they become difficult in that sense. But at the same time, they can also become easier because we know people and we love them and we want to live with them. But at work, it's a different story. And we tend to also sometimes at work take things personally, even though it's, it's a professional setting but it's still a little bit more once removed. I mean, you, you presumably don't have the same relationship to your boss as you have to your partner at home, but I you are still, uh, <laughs> well, you may have. But <laughs> still uh, cherish the relationship to a certain extent, or at least value it, most people do, in order to be happy at work. So it's all about wanting to protect the relationship to stay friends. Uh, that's... Mm-hmm an important thing for most people to to protect the relationship. And the, the more important the relationship is to you, the more vulnerable you become in a negotiation situation because in negotiation we get no. We have disagreement. That is the nature of negotiation is that once you get a no to something, then you can negotiate. But the no is always there. If there wasn't a no, you wouldn't be negotiating. You would just be agreeing on something. What are your thoughts around how women kind of react when they get the no? Because that's the thing that creates the fear, right? We don't, it's like a fear of rejection. We don't want to hear the no, but it's to our own detriment because without the possibility of the no, we also don't know if we can get a bigger yes. That's right. And often I hear this from women that they don't find it so difficult negotiating on behalf of others, but once they negotiate on their own behalf, it becomes a completely different story. And that is, has to do with what you're mentioning about the getting the no, 
we don't want that. Um, so we try to avoid it, perhaps. But I also have to say that particularly when you negotiate your wages, your salary for yourself as a woman, you will probably, likely at least, get a stronger no to your demands than a man would. It has to do with how we perceive each other and um, what we perhaps historically expect of women. And a lot of it is subconscious and a lot of it has to do with bias. But we don't expect women to go in and, and make ambitious demands on their own behalf. So it's a little bit less accepted when a woman goes in and says, I'm wonderful, I'm the greatest, I'm better than everybody else, so please give me more money. It sounds different when a woman says it than when a man does. So this is all to say that, yes, a lot of women try to avoid the no, but it's also because we do get quite a few no's when we ask for something, particularly when we are being ambitious on our own behalf. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. But in, ultimately, in order to close the wage gap, which is our ultimate goal and improve in this area, would you agree that more of us just have to be willing to take that risk? Well, because the first thing is knowing that we stand a greater chance of getting the no means yeah. that we can pump ourselves up and prepare better, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if we know it's going to happen, then instead of making it an emotional conversation, maybe it can just be very much more strategic and we bring more to the table so that when we get the no, we're ready. We're armed with the data and the facts and the, the proof of why we deserve what it is we're asking for. Mm, absolutely. The reason I mentioned this whole um, bias thing is that I would like to, just to let people, especially women, know that they are brilliant negotiators, But uh, because a lot of women think I'm not good at negotiating, particularly not on my own behalf. So this is just to say that there's a reason why we find it difficult sometimes, because we do get more resistance. So this is the first step in becoming braver, is knowing that uh, it's okay to be worried, it's okay to be afraid to go into this negotiation um, being worried about getting a no, because it's part of the situation. And as you're saying, the more we know about things, the more we can prepare mentally for this and, and, and just sort of shrink it into the size that it has to have and so that it doesn't fill everything in our minds so that we can say, well, it's there. And, you know, maybe they're biased, but so be it. I'll work around it. And then, of course, there are a lot of strategic moves that you can make to lessen the blow of the no, so to speak. Mm, what are some of those? How do uh, we lessen the blow? The most important one is really to be promoting what you think you would like and what you think you're worth almost on a daily basis, or at least for a long time leading up to the negotiation for your, if it's a salary negotiation as an example. So instead of saving all your great arguments and your demands, etc., for the for the meeting itself, you need to be finding ways of continually showing the world, uh, showing the people that you want something from, what it is that you want. But if you do this, you can choose to uh, demonstrate your skills. You can uh, let a word fall about what you're really dreaming about uh, obtaining and what kind of promotion that you're dreaming about or salary rise or whatever. Uh, but you can do this in smaller drops, like planting seeds. Uh, yes but doing that throughout the year so that it slowly just grows in the minds of the people that you are about to negotiate with. So you are starting the negotiation well in advance of the meeting where you are making the agreement. This has the advantage of then you can choose ways of promoting what you want and what you would like. You can choose ways that suit you because not all people like to to walk around saying, I'm, I'm a great person. They want to do it a different <laughs> way. So you can maybe show it. Maybe let your uh, boss or superior know by just making sure they see what are your results. And having conversations just in a sort of less formal but a more continuous way about uh, the things that you dream about and the things that you would like to achieve. So you don't have to squish it all into half an hour once a year or once every six months. 
I think that's such a great point. I love the idea of planting seeds so that when it's time to reap the harvest, everyone's ready. (laughs) Everyone's ready because sometimes I think that we get upset. And I've seen this before with my clients where even women in the earn more money movement, where they would be upset and saying, they know I come early. They see me staying late. Like they know. But, you know, sometimes people just think that you're content with where you are. And unless you let them know that you're interested in more, they may not even want to burden you any further. They may not even know. We expect people to be mind readers. We want them to see and just assume. And that's not always the case. So I love that. It's so practical. Plant the seeds. And one of my mentors used to say, you have to practice how you want to play the game. Exactly. And so if you see yourself in a certain position, you show up dressed for that position. You speak for that position. You start to use that terminology well before you walk into that position. You may try to acquaint yourself with just different areas of that department or whatever it is, but you start to kind of live it, breathe it, speak it, exactly. walk in it, feel it well before you actually get an opportunity to walk into it. Exactly. And and by having even having the conversation and letting people know that I'm actually aiming for this promotion or to move into this different area or whatever, just by letting people know, you can also start a conversation that has the sort of the headline of what will it take for me to get the promotion so that you can before long before you even get to the table and make the agreement, you will have a conversation with the person who holds the key to your agreement and ask them, this is what I'm dreaming about. What will it take for me to get that? And then you, then you sort of get almost like a, an instruction book. Whereas if you wait and wait and wait and just go in and say, please give me this, and they say no, then you're sort of, you're a little bit behind schedule, so to speak. So just being open about what you dream about, what your, your plans are, but also investigating what will it take? And this is actually one of the key questions when you negotiate is what will it take for you to say yes is what you always have to have as in the back of your mind when you're negotiating with someone. It's just, this is what I would like. So what will it take for me to get it? Because then you get information that you can use. They may say, well, you need to dress differently or have a different, do a different uh, training course or whatever. But then that gives you something to work with. Exactly. I love that. You know, I was thinking about also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel that another thing we can do when we get to a negotiation table is really try to position the questions in terms of like, what makes this a win-win? Yes, I want more money, but I think sometimes we think people should give us more money for doing the exact same thing that we're doing. And unfortunately, I think a lot of employers feel like my job is to get the most out of you and pay you the least (laughs) because they're trying to preserve their bottom line too. And so, you know, how can, is is that another good question just to ask? How can we make this a win-win? Absolutely. And, and, And just again, to have that as your, almost like a guiding star that you have to make it as easy as possible for the person you want something from to give that to you. And they are the ones that know best what that would be. So just going in and saying, this is what I'm really aiming for, but I would like to know what I can do to make it as easy as possible for you to give me that. So, and that is, of course, the same as saying, how can I make this a worthwhile agreement for you? Because in negotiation, we all have a need to get something. And I say get something and it's a bit fluffy, but that's just how it is. It's like a psychological process. When you enter into negotiation, you need to feel that if I give you something, you give me something as well. We both need to give concessions. If we don't, people will walk away thinking that wasn't a very pleasant uh, negotiation. It was full of words, but I didn't get anything. So the question could could really be when you say, how can we make this a win-win situation is, um, I would like to get this from you. So what would you need from me in order to give that? Mm. Because that is an interesting conversation. What sometimes happens though, is that when we go in and ask for something and we get this, no, I'm afraid not, it's not possible. Then we start presenting all our argumentation. 
we try and convince them that please, please, you know, just say yes, or it's not fair, or I really deserve this. But these are all just words, basically. They don't make them make it easier for the other person to give it, to give a concession, if you can see my meaning. So while it's good to know quantitatively, let's say, what you've brought to the table, it's not that you necessarily just pull it out and put it on the table in the midst of the conversation, right? Because at the Earn More Money movement, I really encourage my ladies to create brag binders. Mm -hmm. And the brag binder is all about just reminding us of how brilliant we are. So making sure that you have those reviews, those comment cards, the thank you notes, the the emails that said you were amazing. Not so much so that you have to pull it out, but I really found that for me, even though I don't work in, you know, in a corporate setting, but I do a lot of negotiations with brand partners or speaking organizations just for the work that I do, and sometimes I just have to remember who I am, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that if I got the call, it's because I actually have something to offer. It's not that they didn't have anyone else to call because sometimes we get so excited about even the opportunity um, that we we forget that they're still, hey, don't get too excited. <laughs> the deal's not done. You still have to negotiate, you know, something that works for you both. So yeah. it's not about saying, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. It's really more about saying, what would it look like, you know, for, yeah. for me to get this, what do you need? Mm. I would much rather, as, as you're suggesting, I would much rather um, show my worth and uh, let them know my results on a daily basis almost. Mm-hmm. Or even, uh, for some people, it works well to organize it, to say to a boss, uh, dear boss, I would like to keep you up to date with what I'm doing. How would you like me to present those results to you? So now I'm actually negotiating with my my superior how to influence them, but I'm respecting their time and I'm I'm just I'm not it's not a, a hidden trick or something. It's simply that I would like to keep you up to date as my superior with what I do, my results. So this is a, a sort of a, it becomes like a routine of showing uh, the other person what you're doing, which makes it much easier to then say, and I would really like something in return for that. I'm aiming for a higher position. I'm aiming for a, a higher salary, etc. But to make it almost like a habit to show the world what you do and what you dream about, and this is not about bragging and sort of running around just promoting yourself senselessly. It's simply, mm-hmm. it's a service to the person that is paying you. It's just show them what they get for the money. And the added benefit of that is exactly what you're saying, that you are sort of convincing yourself at the same time that you're worth it. Mm. And this is what I call negotiating with yourself, which is really where it all starts. We need to believe in it before we can ask anybody else to believe in it. So it's a very, very important point uh, that you're making. Yes, we have to believe it before we can ask anyone else to believe it. I know that you're working on a book project right now. You talked about that negotiating with ourselves, that whole concept. Yeah, I have a lot of ladies who are in transition and they are looking to change careers. In my work, a lot of the women are have been realizing that for so long, they've only been chasing money. Yeah. They've been, what's the next job that makes more money, what makes more money? But in the process they've kind of lost themselves and don't feel as fulfilled, don't feel that they're really working in their purpose. And now that they're looking to almost reinvent themselves and they're shifting, a lot of women have not given themselves permission yet to move on to that next thing. So when you talk about negotiating with ourselves and changing careers midlife, how does your work impact that? I'm writing this book because I find that when I... um do uh, uh, sessions with people one-on-one, it's very often what we end up talking about. We end up talking about their dreams and wishes for, or just what they are dreaming about and wishing for, because this is, this is what motivates me, is, is trying to find the inner core of people that are people I talk to and say, what is it that motivates you? What is it that you're really dreaming about? Because that driving force will be the hand in, the, in your back if you want to make a change. And to me, negotiation is a tool to create change in a, in a gentle way. 
I don't have to go out and start a revolution. I can negotiate a different and better um, future for myself. But I need to start at home with me and find out what do I really, really want. And I find also, of course, that uh, I'm 53 and I meet a lot of people, of course, my age and, and a little bit younger. And I find that a lot of people around the time when kids grow up and start moving away, they have time to evaluate and see, do I want to be doing this for the next 20 years or can I, can I change my career? And, and a lot of people want to change. So we have conversations and they often take us back to who am I actually? So what you're saying is the sort of finding meaning, rediscovering the meaning of work. It's not just money, it's so many other things. And that's, that's an important part of the book that I'm writing is that it's almost like a first step is trying to find out who am I? Because we've been busy with kids and careers and other people's demands and all of a sudden, maybe we have the time to say, who was I? Uh, <laughs> and rediscovering that. And I find that a lot of people sort of backtrack and come back and find an old passion. When I was 18 or 19, I was really keen on X, Y, Z. And midlife, they're sort of revisiting that and saying, I would love to get back to working with that. And this is a really good starting point, I think, for, for trying to find out. So if I'm not going to continue in my current job, what else can I do? Is to find out who do I really think I am? Do you find that when the work is more purposeful, it becomes a bit easier to negotiate? Like once you've been able to negotiate with yourself and get crystal clear on who you are, what matters to you, what your purpose is, then when you go out into the world and it's time to negotiate, do you think that it becomes easier because you're just more confident that I know that I know that this is who I am? Or is there still kind of a difficulty there? I think it's almost, it's imperative or it's very important that, that you actually find that inner motivation because it will shine through directly when you negotiate, especially when you negotiate on, uh, on behalf of yourself or uh, if you want to create a change for yourself. Other people can pick up it, uh, immediately if you mean what you say. Mm. Uh, so you will get a lot of power from simply believing in it yourself. And it sounds perhaps easy, but it's not. This is why I'm writing a whole book about it, because actually finding out who am I and what's important to me, it's a complicated conversation to have with yourself, because it also often involves how others see you, how others, what they expect of you, how much can you free yourself from others' expectations before you sort of discover but this is me this is what I want to do but I think it's a especially for women a really healthy thing to do on a regular basis but at least you know when you're midlife to evaluate am I doing all this for me or for everybody else yeah I've found in my work that the more I do things that just really speak to me like Mm -hmm. even launching this whole redefining wealth uh, brand if you will I was doing everything under Real Money Answers, which was the original title of my books and my radio segment and everything that I did, which for me in that in that season, that's what I felt my purpose was. And it was great to set the foundation. But then when I started to feel that tug to mm-hmm. shift mm-hmm. and to expand the conversation, I did, it's not like I felt the tug and then I did it immediately. I didn't, (laughs) you know, I had to, I was negotiating with myself actually for quite some time because I was booked on certain shows based on that conversation. I was getting invited to the same conferences or the same events year after year where I was making good money Mm. doing that conversation. But after a certain point, it just, it felt like I was betraying myself. Yeah. I was like, this is not the message that you were given to speak in this season and you have to be okay with that. Mm. And initially I was, I was scared because I built a really great audience around that message. I can say, honestly, once I got over the hump and just said, you know what, I have to do it afraid, (laughs) you know, I have to push through because this is what is just on my heart. So Mm. heavy. Like Mm. I have to move through what's on the other side. And of course it's still developing because all of this is still relatively new. It's it's been maybe Mm. seven months at this point, 
But now that I'm on this side, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done it sooner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see it's that. Like a, yeah, it's a breath of fresh air. And it's been amazing to see how other people respond to it because I am, I was passionate before, but I am 20 times more passionate about this conversation. Yeah. Like this yeah. makes me so happy. And it's taught me to stand in my power, even with the negotiation process, because I think to your point, people can feel the energy and the enthusiasm. And I'm so pumped up that they're like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's do it. What do you want to mm-hmm. do? So it's just a really important example that you're bringing because it is a long process, but it can be like almost a parallel process where you, I often encourage people to start small, stay in your secure environment, you know, for a while, if you're not sure about your direction, but make little experiments. It's almost like having, you have the big train track, but maybe you have a path along the train track that you're testing out. How is this going to work? Can I experiment with things? Can I do smaller projects? Can I test things in certain ways so that I don't sort of jump off my track that I've had for many years and just go wild on something new? But uh, that I'm—I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's natural and um, to be a very human thing that we want to be safe and secure to a certain point. And some people also, of course, have to think about money and, and security as such. But it's also just showing that we don't always, we can't always think our way to a new career or a change in career or a change in lifestyle. We need to go out and try stuff and find out this works, this doesn't. Because sitting at home at the desk and thinking and just saying, I will now uh, think my way to a better life. I don't really believe in that so much. I think we need to go out and test stuff. But having negotiation as a tool will help you deal with the resistance you meet because when we as people change dramatically, our our surroundings will react. Some will be positive and say, great, go for it. But others will say, are you sure? Uh, is Is this really wise? I think you should do something else. They will have opinions. So in order to work with the disagreement or the, the, the resistance, negotiation is actually a really good tool, especially with the people who are depending on us, like our partners or families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're the question that we were mentioning before also works. You know, What will it take for you to accept that I will change my career? You could say to a partner. Mm. That's good. Because I think to your point, that's another thing that keeps us kind of trapped, if you will, in an ongoing cycle, possibly of unfulfillment, because people who want to change careers, especially midlife, when you've been known for something for 10 years or 20 years, and you want to do something different, that goes back to that negotiating on a personal level. Like, Mm -hmm. what will it take for you to accept this shift? I think you're going to, I think that one question is going to save some marriages. (laughs) No, but this is really, instead of saying, why not? Why can you not let me do this? And this is typical you, et cetera, et cetera. Then just respect the fact that when you start to change, people will react and they may be a little bit worried and say, who is this new person uh, emerging? Uh, I thought I knew her, but, but allow them that insecurity by taking care of it and just saying, I, I know this is new territory, but um, what will it take for us to be able to do this so that I can experiment and see if I do it in small steps, would that work for you instead of, you know, just dropping everything and going to France and opening a hotel or something? (laughs) I think it's easy or it's important to test. And in my book, I will be writing about design thinking, which is, you know, the way designers think and work is that they constantly test things they make prototypes and they test it and they, they fail and then they improve it and then they try it again. And this is really, I think, a, a pretty nice way of thinking about changing your, your career midlife as well is to try it out, to sort of circle back to what it all comes from. I find that people who change drastically, career midlife, are almost always motivated by an inner um, feeling of I want to 
I want my life to be meaningful on a on a higher plane, not just in in the sense of making money and having lots of material things. When you decide to really do this 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 great change and and improve your life in this way, I think an a very important driver is the inner motivation and this is also something that I'm very interested in at the moment is the whole motivational psychology of you know what drives people what makes them happy what makes us happy mhm yeah i'm really into the financial psychology piece as well the same yeah. thing like what drives us yeah. to make the financial decisions that we that we make and i really love what you're saying because as someone who's had to reinvent myself and my husband's actually in a place right now where he's reinventing himself yeah. and I love the kind of getting into action and taking the baby steps. Like I think so often we despise the baby steps when, especially with social media and Google and the ability to see someone perhaps doing what it is you want to do, but you're yeah. seeing the, the version of them 10 years into what they're doing exactly. or five years into what they're doing. And so you want that. And I think sometimes that scares a significant other. Yeah. When, you know, you jump and you want all of that. And they're like, wait a minute, show me like a glimpse of what this looks like. So before you can jump into brand new website and you want a photo shoot and you want, you know, to rent a, a venue space and have a conference with 500 people, you know, mm. maybe show me you getting 10 people successfully mm. into a room yeah. and getting them excited. And so often we despise the baby steps. I'm all about it because I think more than anything, you can't sit and think about it. You can only test it out if you're actually doing. And Absolutely. I think that the magic is in the momentum, mm. the momentum that's built. If you do one thing, okay, that kind of went well. Now let me add to it. I'm the designer, right? So I'm tweaking, I'm adjusting, yep. I'm improving the processes, but that comes over time. So it's okay to build this out while you have the security or safety mm. of, of something else, right? And I think that your partner or whoever's depending on you, once they start to see the little wins, then they can really take hold of the bigger vision with you. Absolutely. And once they start seeing what you look like when you work with something that truly uh, motivates you from the inside out, then they will never want to go back to the person you were before. And this is really interesting. When I talk to people, when I have my advisory sessions and I talk to people, it's so clear to me by just looking at people's faces, if they are motivated from within or, or from without, so to speak. I can tell when people start to shine, uh, is, is that's when they start talking about something that they really do care about. And that inner drive is one of the best it's it's an it's a really great basis for any kind of business in my world is that you are driven by something that you believe in and it's not the same as then you have to work for free for the rest of your life because you're doing good in the world no it's more m making things match i don't i don't see a mismatch between working with what you truly believe in and making money and making a living i think those two are actually closely connected Mm -hmm. and, and, and go really well together. And oh it, my gosh. I love that you said that, Maylene. I love it because that's what people get confused. Sometimes, oftentimes I hear from women that say, I don't feel good charging people for my gift, for my God-given gift. And I feel that God gave it to you as a gift so that you could use it to yeah. build wealth, yeah. not to give it away all for free and then still have to worry about very basic necessities because it's hard to have that the shine that you talked about or have mm. that light when you're always in struggle mode too. Exactly. When you negotiate your way forward, which is, you know, you have to make agreements with the people around you and with, you know, if you're starting a new business or changing your job or career, you will, you will have to make a lot of new agreements with people, which is basically negotiation. But if they meet someone who's driven by an unstoppable energy, the energy that comes with believing in what you do and believing in yourself and that you're doing good in the world or that it's meaningful to you, then you can exchange that for a lot of 
value, if you see what I mean. You mm-hmm. become valuable in your own eyes and you present yourself as valuable. So it's easier to say to somebody else. And this fantastic shine is actually, it's, it costs money, you know, <laughs> not so free as you're saying, but it is a value. It's so much easier for people to see that value if you believe in it yourself. And it's it sort of, it is grounded in true internal motivation. <laughs> I love that. This shine comes with a price tag. Basically, like you can't, you can't get all this shine for free, you know, unless I choose to volunteer. Yeah, it's very exclusive, you know, and it's, and most people will be much happier to pay for somebody or something, somebody who believes in what they do and do it well, than someone who is just struggling to deliver something that they think others want. So I think in terms of negotiation, making sure that you believe in what you are wanting for yourself, but also what you are offering. That will make you a much more powerful negotiator almost automatically. Mm. Yeah. Unstoppable. It's undeniable. That's the Mm. word. Mm. It'll make you Mm. so irresistible and undeniable. Yeah, that's right. Because you're so much, if you come off that way, you definitely, like we want to work with the happy person. We want to work with the person who seems fulfilled and excited and energized by what they're doing. No one wants to offer up extra opportunities to a miserable person. I just don't, I just don't think if there's a choice, (laughs) if there's a choice between you and a few other vendors or a few other coworkers and you're the miserable one, even if you're smarter, you're pleasant to be around. And I'm definitely always going for the more pleasant person. Exactly. And also, yes. even if, if what you are offering is slightly uh, cheaper than what a competitor would, would offer, I think, I think the, the relationship is really important. We underestimate how much that affects us, even in sort of day-to-day um, dealings, financial deals or, or economical dealings. You know, I think relationships and, and what people offer on a personal level is really, really important. But I just want to make sure that people understand that it's it's not an easy thing to do. But once you have discovered that you need to change and that you need to find a different path, then I think that decision in itself, that negotiation with yourself will give you some mileage in this process because you are now, you have a hand in the back because you've decided with yourself, I'm not happy enough. I want to be happier. So this will give me the hand in the back to then start on the journey, which may take a while and it may take a few tries and experiments that fail. You have to be prepared to fail as well. And that's why the baby steps are good. But once you've embarked on the process, the road to a better career for yourself, a better working life for yourself, then I think that momentum, as you were saying, will get you there eventually. I'm sure of it. Mm, that's good. That's good. Well, Maylene, we always end the podcast with some redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and you can just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the first one is how do you define success? Uh, I define success by personal fulfillment, actually, I think. Mm. that makes sense oh it does it does we are big on fulfillment around here we definitely get it (laughs) how do you define wealth in three words or less Mm. I would say meaningful relationships that's wealth for me (laughs) I love it our second pillar here is people and it's about creating relationships that matter Mm. and so I totally agree. What good is it to have all the money in the world and have no one to share it with or have no one that really cares about you with or without any of the stuff, someone that loves you for you? So I love that. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Oh, that's a really hard one because I have so many nice books I like to read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about wealth, Meaning, because to me it's meaningful relationships, mm-hmm. I 
think not a book, but books on motivational psychology really is at the core of this, I think. Um, Self-determination theory is a motivational psychology that looks at what motivates us from the inside out. They call it intrinsic motivation. And they find that if we are autonomous, we, if we are given the chance to decide for ourselves what to do, if we are feeling competent, competence as a, as a motivating force, if we are perceived as being competent and think of ourselves as competent, and lastly, if we are feeling connected to others, those three things motivate us from the inside out. Mm. So it's autonomy, competence, and connectedness, those three things. If you, if you let those guide you, I think you will find wealth on so many levels because it's in itself, it'll feel, it make you feel wealthy from the inside, I think. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to look for that. Is, was that the title of the book? No, if you look up, um, it's, it's called SDT for short. It's uh, Self-Determination Theory. Okay. And there's, um, there's a lot of people, it's, it's a couple of professors, who, researchers who've done work with this for many years. But there's one guy who wrote a book, maybe that actually would be the book if we're talking about wealth. It's uh, Daniel Pink's book, Drive. Do you know that one? No. Because he sort of translates this theory, which is a very sort of uh, intellectual theory. He translates it into a book about business. So this Mm -hmm. would be a really strong recommendation. Wonderful. I will look for it. Drive. Drive. I'll look for it and link to it. Okay. And this is the last one. You're going to fill in the blank. First part is my name is in your name. And for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Melina Riggs. And the truth about wealth is that it comes from the inside. Yes, it does. That's perfect. It does. That's why we believe it's not just money and material possessions. It's about well-being. Absolutely. And, and who we are, who we really are, not what we pretend to be, I suppose. So yeah, the longer we live, the more time we have to, to discover that money and, and physical possessions are nice to have, but they definitely uh, do not um, make us happy in the long run. Not alone. They can't stand alone. That's right. Oh, this was so good. I have to find a way to get to Denmark so that I yeah, can. Yeah, you should. <laughs> All right. I just love when people come on and can give us practical tips and tools. That's what it's all about. And the way Meline was able to just break down that we need to be willing to offer something in the conversation. You know, I know I've been encouraging you guys to do your brag binders and to really make sure that you own your brilliance. But how she talked about planting the seeds, like, No one's a mind reader. So if you want that raise, if you want that promotion, you have to start showing up that way. And so if this is you, if you're in this season right now, there's nothing that says you can only listen to this once. Listen to this over and over again so you can get some of these tips and tools that she gave us, you know, so that you can incorporate it in your life. And don't forget, if you haven't already joined us, what are you waiting for? Join us. I'm actually going to close the doors on April 30th for this round of the Earn More Money movement. So if you want to get in, all you have to do is go to IWillEarnMore.com, put your info in, and you'll start on day one. And you will get the 20 principles that have helped myself and so many of my clients and thousands of women all over the world earn more money using techniques for entrepreneurship or in their career or even through using different personal finance techniques. So join us, join the conversation. Uh, We have a private Facebook group where we get to really share our thoughts and our comments, our ahas, our wins, even some of the rejection and the pain. And I love how women have rallied together to support each other in the Facebook group community. But you can't get over there unless you go to IWillEarnMore.com and sign up. 
And so thank you so much for allowing me to pour into you during this month. It's meant a lot to me. And just know that this is not the end, but remember that equal pay day that took place on April 10th was for majority women. That's the reality. And so if you are a a minority woman, if you're a woman of color, our equal pay day is not until later in the year. Yeah, you heard that right. Unfortunately, the statistics say that our equal pay day does not take place until uh, late July, early August. And so when that date is announced again, it's official because sometimes it kind of shifts. When that date is announced again, I will open the doors again for the Earn More Money movement. And we will go through these principles again. So twice a year, because I want to make sure that awareness is spread again, that we stand in solidarity with majority women on this topic for such a time as this. And I hope that other women will join women of color during our time Whereas it takes six months, uh, if not seven and a half months, for us to finally earn what our male counterparts earn in the workplace. Similar education, similar job title, similar background, unequal pay. And so we have to keep talking about this. I'm definitely going to keep talking about it. And if you know any women who have struggled with standing in their truth, standing in their power and negotiating for more, then make sure you share this episode. Also, make sure you subscribe, review, rate this episode in particular, and join me over at patricewashington.com. Any of the episodes that have happened during this series of You Deserve More, I really want to hear your thoughts. I want to get your feedback. I want to see which one of these techniques you've been able to incorporate into your real life, because that's what it's about. It's not for fun. For me, it's so that we can really experience transformation, something that's lasting, not a quick little shift. But if this is a transformation for you, then over time, you will continue to earn more and more and more. I guarantee you that. All right. So remember that I'm here to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.